Don't wait until your spouse gives you the divorce letter. Don't wait until your boss comes over and brings the feedback. Don't go over and wait until that special training that you're gonna get that you'll forget in 90 days. It should be something that you're actively working on each and every day. In getting your doctorate degree in your spouse, getting your bachelor's degree in your kids, and getting your associate's degree in your coworkers. But when you go get those degrees and you're putting that much effort and time and focus and energy and, and learning, like, hey, learning your sexual personality style, learning your communication style, learning how your love languages is, when you do that, that's gonna carry dividends because when you make those pivots and you make those transformations and when you get out of service, now you have an overflow of your spouse and your kids supporting you. So as you go through those trials and tribulations, because they will come, then you're able to make them testimonies. But Daniel, uh, just wanted to thank you for doing this late night sesh with me, my man. Yes, and I got the Legrity app. How do I go about getting Herofront on there? Because I do all video podcasts anyways. So how do I get Herofront on the Legrity app? No, it's and real simple. I'll just send you the landing page and any of your members can go do that too. If you're already doing content, you already created, you can start as our low end package because you're already doing that. If you need hand holding, we have higher end hand holding packages but if you're all set we can get you distributed so all right my man so we're gonna start with three questions the hero's gauntlet um and we're just gonna we're gonna kick it off with that and then we're gonna hit the topics that you uh sent me in messenger okay awesome so the first question for the hero's gauntlet is what is your podcast and what is the heart behind it what like what keeps you going and what keeps you doing it well, I started off as a radio show, actually, uh, and it was called, um, let me see if I remember the name, um, dang, Back to Basics. And Back to Basics was bringing from a spiritual perspective back to Christian basics. So I used to broadcast in KLA 1180. Well, I really wanted to get the heart to my veterans. And during that time, I wasn't getting that. I was getting some of the Christian audience, but not the veterans. When I broke my back in 2017, literally L4, L5S1, on annual tour thank the lord of this then because if it wasn't i would have paid a lot more money and a lot more time uh a guy basically told me he's like you need to get out of the air force you need to get out of the military you just need to start a 10 to 15 dollar job toss out your dreams and everything else and start all over man if that anger and fury and passion could have got me walking again I would have been up and walking, but I did not. So it took me three and a half months, but I remember that to this day. And that's what I realized. I mean, that's the audience I need to go target is my military veterans and first responders. And that's how War Hero to Superhero was born. It was first a podcast and now it's transformed to digital TV. It's been on two platforms now and it's about to be on a third. And uh, that's why we started it because myself, I almost lost my marriage and my family and my leadership when I got out of active duty. I'm still a reservist, but it was such a tumultuous time. And I know our veterans need that. They need to know that we got their six. So that's the reason why we help them from the bedroom to the boardroom. So that's what gets me woken up every single day and doing the things that I go over and do. I mean, I was frustrated yesterday when I got a kidney stone and I was in the hospital just because I couldn't connect to one of my veteran buddies for lunch because he was leaving in a couple of days. And the, that thing is fires me up is to serve the veterans and the first responders. So that's the reason why I do the content. That's the reason why I connect. And that's the reason why I do what I want to do. And that's what keeps me fired up. 
I have been working everybody else's content on Legrity, so you haven't seen as much content as used to be, but we're rebooting that back up, learning that balance, because we've been helping so many. We're like, oh, we forgot about our own content. But the goal is to get those people to thrive. So I'm happy I've been doing that for the past five or six months, but that's what keeps my content going. That's awesome, man. Um, so yeah, you definitely have the passion and the fire behind it. And I did check out the app and I did watch a few of yours. And I also subscribed to your podcast <clears throat> on uh, Spotify. Um, and I guess what makes yours so different to me is that it, it's literally when it says from the bedroom to the boardroom, like you're no kidding talking about the bedroom. Mm hmm. And that's what threw me at first. I was like, wait a second. Love in the bedroom, your sexual style part one. Infusion of love in the bedroom, your sexual style part two. Mm -hmm. And I was like, my man's actually talking about the bedroom. Because, you know, there's a lot of metaphors, and especially in names. But yours is, yours is for real. Yeah. So does that have to do with almost losing your own marriage yeah. I mean, that was huge. I mean, when I first got married and this is the funny part. So going back 2002, atheist, F you to the world and everything else, and then became a Christian, didn't learn how to live it out. And actually until about year seven in marriage. So I quote unquote, call myself a Christian, but I was a cultural Christian. So when I got married, I'm like, Hey, I have Jesus. I have my wife. My marriage should be awesome. No, it was going downhill rather quick. So from year one to year seven, I was toxic. The cycle of abuse, if you ever read it, I basically would get frustrated. Then I would go and explode verbally. And then I'd try to paste it up with sex and gifts and other things. And then the cycle would go over again. And then my wife was struggling with mental health issues too. And then our military career and all the shifts and pivots, it wasn't until like year seven that I had to get spiritually kicked in the nuts by her, which I thank the Lord for, and had to really check my mess. I wasn't living out the Christian faith is what it's called to be. I, I was mentally messed up. I was emotionally messed up socially, spiritually, and even sexually, and had to take a five-year hiatus to start really working that stuff out. She was taking her time. I was taking my time. It was more of me than her drastically. And that's the reason why we go over. It's like, and I saw it again and again and again in other veterans' lives that they get messed up and they would take their brokenness from the boardroom, bring it home into the bedroom, and they think they just keep fixing the boardroom stuff and it would go over and work and it doesn't. What they really need to do is focus in the bedroom and focus on those five areas. And that's when you go over and you start thriving. It's not instant. Tell you it's not instant. You go talk to my wife at year seven in a day after she spiritually kicked me in the nuts. She's not like, whoa, it's healed, it's better. No, it was a time, but it transformed over time. And we still are transforming as we go. And that's the reason why, because I kept seeing it again and again and again. I'm like, yeah. I've gone through this junk. Why can't I go over and help others and go over and just share who I am and share the tactics that I've learned and still learning? and walk with this as a journey because it's always a dialogue, never a monologue. I might be the primary speaker and then my wife comes on occasionally and guest. But the thing is, is that it's always a dialogue and we always can go over and keep growing together. Yeah, man. And um, yeah, I never thought about that. The, the connection between the boardroom and the bedroom and how like a lot of people might try to overcompensate at work thinking they're helping their family when actually they're neglecting their family. I think we see that a lot. 
uh, in the military. Um, and, you know, from personal experience, it's hard to, to, to move every four years when like you're, you're losing your whole support system, you're thrust in a new environment with all these expectations day one. And it's incredibly stressful. Like, my God, like I'm at, I'm at, I just hit 18 years mm-hmm. and man, I'm, I just feel like I'm getting more tired as time goes on. Like just because the, the responsibilities are piling up, the, the scope of the mission is getting bigger and bigger by the day. Mm-hmm. And we do have those periods of time where we're like, we just neglect our family. We neglect ourselves. We tell ourselves lies that, you know, to justify that staying at work when everyone's gone and it's dark outside. And, you know, we're, we're trying to justify those decisions to ourselves, but in reality, we're, we're just neglecting our ourself and we're neglecting our family. So I do see it. And I do think there is a huge uh, need for people like you who've been through it and have a lot of, tips and help and advice. So let me ask you, is that, is that just for, so I already asked you two questions. So the third question would be, what is the connection between the boardroom and the bedroom? And is it just for males or is it go males and females for that connection? It goes for all of us. So we all look for a unique connection. And if you talk about the sexual styles, as we talked about in that episode, it depends on your personality style. So as let's say in the boardroom, you're looking for dominance, you're looking for results, you're looking for that tactile win and everything else. You're looking for that tactile win in the bedroom too. You want to have that. If you're the social person at work, you're looking for that social sexual connection at home. It all carries. But if you work it out backwards and you say, hey, I'm going to work it out in the boardroom, your colleagues win, but your spouse doesn't. And your colleagues don't follow you. Like I remember when I got out of active duty, 12 years in service. It was May. It was Memorial Day when I left with terminal leave. And then July 1st was like my first day done. All benefits, everything gone away. And I called back, I think about two weeks after the July, because obviously 4th of July, no one's there. Trying to go ask for some help and connect back to the person. They didn't remember who I was. And I trained them how to use the phone. It was that much you're gone, just like that. So we put so much focus in the boardroom, especially in the military boardroom and in the first responder boardroom, because I've seen that now too in the first responder world. But then they they forget about you because it's so based on mission. We really need to get our mission pouring from the bedroom to the boardroom. So I do see it sync up each and every day. And that's the reason why when you when the people that get the divorces and the letters or adultery happens or anything else, it was little bits of chipping away at the bedroom and you thought it could go over and handle it. And you didn't really ask the questions, you just did it. Because then the boardroom, they can always handle it and they're always gonna replace you. There's a bandwidth. Of course, you gotta serve your country and everything else and values, integrity first, service before self and whatnot. But you have to ask yourself, are you really serving out of yourself as an outpouring from bedroom to boardroom? Or are you serving in hope that you keep everything just in survival? Yeah. Wow. And, and Daniel, that's why I thought you were so unique, man, because I always hear like, Oh, work on your fitness and, you know, uh, read some more books. And I've never heard someone talk as Frank about at least a veteran, uh, focused podcast. So Frank about the bedroom and the connection to the boardroom. I think it makes total sense, but I have never heard anyone so, outspoken about it as you what what in your personal life led you to making that connection and then 
you know, finding that, that fire to like help other people and, and have those, you know, sometimes uncomfortable discussions, right? I, there's two reasons why there was trauma that I went through and, and God's made a testimony and two that people kept bringing me their stuff. So, uh, I went through my parents' divorce, my brother's death, and then I went through sexual molestation between eight to 15 in my life, then carry that into my marriage junk, which I then carried into myself and then doing that for uh, seven years of my marriage. The second part of it is, is that I almost blanked on the question. Can you reframe it again? <laughs> I was such on a roll. That's the thing about live recordings. <laughs> no, I, I, no, you're absolutely killing it. I guess uh, what I was asking is how have you become so comfortable and so frank with discussing, uh, you know, the bedroom for your podcast, but then also like the desire to help others with that uncomfortable talk? Okay, now I remember. So I, I wasn't comfortable at first when I was working through it, like uh, 2013 and everything else, but it was about... 27 no, it was 2016 2017 because i moved a lot i still moved even with all the non-active duty stuff so i went back to mccord and i was mccord active duty 2006 to 2010 and then 2013 and 2016 as a reserve so for me it felt like second corinthians i'm like oh what did i do wrong i'm back there again and i'm like and then i started working with the saber office and i felt a heart to go help do the briefing so i did respect the red line and green dot and everything else and how I got comfortable with starting talking about sex and being frank is in Green Dot, if, if anybody's Air Force or DOD, they remember that someone had to bring a vulnerable story at first and then bring in the action exercise and everything else. And I kept thinking over again, as respect the red line I was teaching in Green Dot, they're like, how do you get the people to connect? How do you get people to connect? How do you get people to connect? You can show them a video. You can show them this and everything else. And all the stuff that came back from my sexual molestation came back. And I didn't realize I went through this. I'm like, it was just blocked. And then I realized, I'm like, how do I get these people to connect? So when you're sitting there and you're giving the statistics about one out of three and one out of seven, one out of three for women, one out of seven for men, I finally clicked. And I'm like, if I be vulnerable and I start working through my stuff, then it's going to go over and help them. So what I would say simply at first was, as I said, uh, when we talk about the one out of seven, we're getting discussion. I said, I am one of those, a seven. So if you need somebody to picture and what that's gone through, I will be that representation for you. And then let the conversations go. It was awkward at first, but people started talking and they started breaking through their barriers. And I started seeing this transformation and the light bulb go on just in those conversations. And then when we went to specifically Green Dot, they asked for the vulnerable story. So then I shared that vulnerable story. And I really had to work through it. There's a guy, uh, Master Sergeant Galela, really awesome guy. Uh, he's out of McGuire. He taught me how to really be in touch my emotions, to feel it, but not lose it. So I had to bring all those emotions and feelings and everything back. And I had to write a 30-page script. That was his practice for me. That sucked. Handwritten. <laughs> Carpal tunnel. Hell. Oh, my gosh. But I wrote it all down and got it done. But it really helped me to start speaking fluidly about those conversations and i was able to do that and then eventually i had a ted talk lined up but it didn't pan out so i had practice there too and the woman really challenged me and i decided i'm like if i don't be vulnerable for these people then they're not going to feel vulnerable because the alpha male would just hold it in its inside until explosion day and then when the bedroom the living room and the boardroom is collapsing 
and it just usually goes all in sync. So when chaos hits, it doesn't say, oh, it's just one thing and I can plug the rest. No, it's usually it all hits. And that's when you lose purpose and belongingness. And when I worked in mental health, I saw people suicide, 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 and in the veteran space too. So if I don't be vulnerable and be transparent, then they don't have a source for that. Same thing with Janae. She's being uh, transparent about MST and sexual assault and all sorts of things and abuse and homelessness. When someone stands out in the forefront, it gives those people a place, a safe place to actually transform. Because if you don't, who's going to? And I'd rather be the person that speaks to the rock and then goes over and taps the rock. It's like a biblical reference because Moses went over and should have spoke to the rock and the water should have came out, but instead he tapped the rock and he lost the promised land. My promised land is veterans and first responders transformed. I don't want to be that guy that's left behind in that transformation. I love seeing that transformation. So that's me in that particular regard. So that gives me the fire, the passion, and to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Wow, man. That's, you're an incredible person, man. Um, you know, taking that trauma and recognizing, uh, putting in so much work to tailor the message, to use it for good in the way that you have is pretty unbelievable. Um, most people could not do what you have done with your story like that. Most people couldn't, you know, find the, the courage to do it or the, wor or the right words to do it. Um, so the fact that you care so much that you put in, I mean, 30 pages handwritten Holy cow. I mean, and then reliving it over and over again to find a, a space to be able to vocalize it. That's just, that's just incredible, man. I'm, I'm super proud of you for that. For real. Um, I've, I kind of have my own stories that I would share with airmen over time. And, and so I know the feeling, I know what you're talking about, like finding the right way to say it without like triggering like a meltdown yourself. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I know how challenging that could be. Um, so before we get into the topics that we have picked here, I was hoping, Daniel, you could just give us a brief uh, rundown on, you know, your veteran career uh, and just where you're at today. So I was active duty from 2000 to 2012. I've been a total of seven AFSCs or MOSs, depending on which branch is listening. Or oh, my rate. God. Yeah, I've cross-trained a lot. So or cross-flow. I've worked with several branches of, of uh, opportunities and things with the Army and the Navy and everything else. So 12 years of active, and then I, then I got out of the service. That's another trauma story, the triumph, but we don't have time for that. So seven years of uh, reserve at the time before I went to a full-time reservist for right now. And those seven years were tumultuous. I almost went homeless four times, almost got divorced and everything else, but always just there for the people and then in 2019 i got a really awesome smiling commander I, he doesn't want his name to be said but the, if you watch my other podcast i talk about him constantly he gave me a chance to come and be a training manager or if you're on the army side a training nco so i always transliterate as much as possible so you can relate so i've been a training nco for seven units uh for the past three years and I've done radio, I've done TV, I've done uh, all different types of events and whatnot. The long-term goal is to get War Hero to Superhero, which is the podcast and digital TV show. The business is Learn and Live, that we help you thrive from the bedroom to the boardroom into getting that to full-time so we can go over and conquer those issues from the bedroom to the boardroom and beyond. So as we do that, 
The goal is to get more revenue and resources so we can conquer those bigger issues. I would love to eventually lobby for the VA and other things to go over and change and what we need to go over and to transform. I'm actually working with Project Die Hard this week. I get to go out to speak, teach, and evangelize, which is really cool to veterans that are looking for the Christian faith to go and do that with my wife. So that's the veteran story in a nutshell. We've been in all those places and even had some suicide attempts in our family. So we've gone through the gamut and we just want to go over and transform lives as much as possible. So that's the quick veteran story in a nutshell. Wow, man. And, and yeah, everyone asked me about the podcast, like what's the ultimate goal? Um, well, I think we're always hitting the mark. We're always trying to get the message out and that, that seems to work and be effective for most of us that are consistent. But I was told the ultimate goal is to, to do it full time somehow and have that, you know, be my career or somehow merge it with a company or a brand so I could keep, you know, spreading the positivity and spreading these messages for a living. I think that's any podcaster's, you know, dream. Uh, Joe Rogan kind of kicked that off. Yeah. And 80% of podcasters don't even make ROI in that. So I think you need to look for the deeper living of it is whose lives you want to change and what is your zone. And it's a Hebrew word, C-H-A-Z-O-W-N. It means dream, vision, and destiny. So if you haven't worked out that stuff, it'll be really transformative. And you might find out the podcast might be just the one 15 seconds of your story. Because I never thought a podcast, I went over and I just did whatever ways I could go over and serve. So the radio was an expansion. The podcast and live was another way of an expansion. And then the digital TV was an expansion. I never thought I'd be a director of IT for a digital TV network, but it opens up doors for more people to get content out there. So when you know your zone, the big piece, what you're really here for, then you'll find out what to say yes and what to say no for. Because you might find out a podcast that might not be best. It might be just speaking and teaching engagements. It might be just you going and doing consulting. It might be just you going over and doing nine to five, like uh, Kurt Ballish that he goes over and does, he just works with wood, but he gets his message out there through social media and he really transforms lives because he lost his wife a couple of years ago and he still uses the woodworking to transform veterans' lives. He's out in North Carolina. So, I mean, once you know where you're at and what your calling is in your life, then you say, hey, podcast fits, podcast doesn't fit. So not everybody needs to be a podcaster full-time. It might be something else. It might be podcast to help to do a nonprofit. Richard Kaufman does it to go over and to help more veterans. He's the number one podcaster in our veteran space, but he's a guy that just went out there just like, I want to help people with mental health in my, in my space. And if podcast helps, then I'm going to do it. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. That's a really fantastic way to, to look at it. So I appreciate that. So I want to roll into the topics uh, that you presented. So we're going to start with the very first one here, which is content creation. That was the first topic, correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What did, what did you want to dig into as far as content creation goes? What, what's your thoughts on that? Content creation is really as simple as it can be. That's the first part. People get really overwhelmed by that. When I first started on radio, I really botched it. I'll give you a funny story. So I'm paying $70 a week for AM radio. I'm out there in Lakewood, uh, Washington, which is where Joint Base Lewis McCord is. And I'm commuting to do this, not doing this from home and anything else. And I went over and just literally just wrote content out, but I did not prepare enough content. I had five minutes of dead air. 
Well, guess really? what? You still you still recover from those things. So the first part about content creation is no matter how much you think you suck at it, you really don't. Yeah, everybody has those work, those times to go learn. Everybody's like, how do you go speak so much? How do you go off the fly? How do you do the pantomimes? How do you go and connect with the audience? How do you go over and write out a message in 30 minutes and then broadcast in 30 minutes and you do one single record? Mr. B said it best. Learn the one stupid mistake you made and keep going over and correcting that one stupid mistake. That's why Mr. Beast is one of the top 100 uh, YouTubers in the world is because he just finds one thing that he did wrong in there and fixes it. So content creation is not that hard. If you have a phone, if you have a laptop, if you have a desktop, even if you have to do audio, just start where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're eight or 808, just start where you're at. So if you have a desire to get a message out there, content creation is just doing that and just find out one stupid thing you did wrong, not to flog yourself, but to say what you could do better and then transform that. I mean, I mean, I'm doing digital TV now. I never thought I'd be doing digital TV, but one thing, change it and then keep growing from there. So that's the first thing in content creation. So don't fear it. Just try it out. And most times when you're first watching, oh, everybody's going to watch me. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter how many followers and friends you have the first time you get out. Be okay. It's just you in a mirror looking at yourself and just going over and speaking. That's it. And even when you're on stage, most people are in all their own junk. Most of the time, they're not judging you. And if they do, they're probably condescending a-holes that need to go over and repent and have some life transformation change. We all can get there. But don't worry about them. It's very, very little chance that people are going to go over and just start being haters. Once you start getting haters, that means you have a following. No, absolutely. Uh, they, they go hand in hand. I think the haters are kind of a benchmark to show you how many people who actually love you as well. They're kind of, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. But, you know, I used to be, I used to never public speak. I used to never do content creation. I used to have zero self-confidence whatsoever, basically hated my existence, hate, thought I was worthless. A lot of it was because I never got out of my comfort zone and I kept drinking and that, dr that drinking all the time, um, that started at my first and second base and rolled into my third base, like real bad. It kind of put a pause on my, on my self growth, right? It was just easy to ignore everything when I could just go home drink and, and play halo right like so there's no self-growth there's no challenge and when i was sober i didn't know how to respond or act or talk or do much of anything right mm -hmm. um so it wasn't until i stopped drinking and i started getting super uncomfortable when i when i was just really hell-bent on not drinking anymore and allowing myself to be uncomfortable and then just signing up for things and just mm -hmm. like things that i thought were impossible right like run a commander's call or give this briefing or that briefing or run this event. I would just, I would just say, you know what, if I fail, I fail. Mm -hmm. And it's that process of learning from the mistakes and tweaking your approach that makes you sound like a professional one day. I mean, that's what it is. Um, yeah. So I try not to shy away from any, any opportunity that comes knocking. I, I really try like the more afraid of it. I am the more, I try to just sign, just put my name in the hat and just and just do it because that has led to some incredible self-growth and some incredible opportunities and relationships was just doing it. Even if, even if I was terrified, just doing it. And then you just kind of get used to that uncertainty. You kind of embrace it and you start to have faith in yourself. You start to feel that's, that's where confidence is from. You have to earn it. Mm -hmm. You're not born with it. You have to earn it.
No. And and the funny part is, is that everybody thinks you're so outgoing. You're so this and everything else. And I think about content creation, my first content creation was five years old and it absolutely failed. So I got forced to go over and do this clock presentation. So if anybody's from the eighties, you remember those humiliating moments in front of class when you're in kindergarten or third grade or whatnot. And I freaked out and I just stood there in fear and uh, my dad ripped me and now I failed at my first content creation and I could have allowed that to traumatize me for my life. I'm never getting in front of people again. I'm never doing a clock presentation, all that stuff. But those lies that we believe when we're so young and forced to us and then we carry that. So the things that were in our living room before we had an intimate boardroom. I mean, intimate bedroom, not intimate boardroom. That'd be weird. <laughs> See, content creation. Everybody's going to have fun with that one. So when you, have, when you take your living room moments and then you finally get married and it just carries over if you don't work through it. So, but that was my first content creation moment was that. And it's like, but it's okay. It's okay to fumble. It's okay to mess up and everything else. You just got to remember those people do make you look bad. And those people are, they have hurts themselves. Don't take it personally. You know, constructive criticism is like, what are you doing that can be improved upon? But if they're pulling a you are statement in there, they're being accusatory and they have brokenness inside them. Those you are statements go over and destroy and that destroys our bedroom to our boardroom. The only you are statement should be you are awesome. You are sexy. You know, don't say you are horny, but that's a different one. <laughs> but you go over and have those you are positive statements. Those are the ones that should be edifying you to build another up. And if you're hearing any you are negative statements and aren't even to say them, you have them in your head. They're already there. Those things are not true of you. That is not who you are. So reinforce those ones so you can get out there. So again, about content creation, lesson number two is you got to have the self-growth to work through yourself before you come out there. Because if you don't, that's the part, you, it'll be really hard because you can learn all the skills and the video and the eyes and the metrics and memorize your scripts and all this stuff and picture people in their underwear, which doesn't work, by the way, it does not work. It either makes you laugh or feel more awkward, <laughs> but you can learn all those techniques. But if you didn't work through your personal stuff and self-growth, you're going to see, and you could see in 2013 when I was doing it on YouTube, my original videos, you know, my self-worth was sucking because I'm like, my videos were horrible. The res was wrong and the content was just disjointed because I didn't work through my stuff. Once I started working through my stuff, then I felt comfortable in who God made me. So now I can be frank. So now you can go over and say, hey, he's a vulnerable dude. And I do that. And that's the lesson number two in content creation. If you haven't worked through yourself, don't go jump into content creation because it's not a moneymaker. It's a moneymaker over time. Everything takes work to go over and make it. Les Brown doesn't make millions of dollars because he got out one day and he's like, yeah, I know it's just so hard to speak. No, he was an eloquent and everything else. He had to learn too and he had to be have self-growth. I mean, it does help the most in content creation for self-growth because now people are looking at you. But if you're not working through that preliminary junk, yeah, there's there does seem to be a sweet spot for it. I think I, I think I waited a long time. Um, I wanted to you know be a YouTuber and do all those things, but yeah, I was I was too uncomfortable. Um, I wasn't ready to I wasn't ready to share things with myself and face the hard truth myself. Yet alone strangers on the internet. You know what I mean? So I think being comfortable in your own skin and being comfortable with who you are, with what your strengths are what your weaknesses are, what you need to work on and just overall the uniqueness of you and not being ashamed of that. 
because I was for a long time in the Air Force because I was in maintenance when I, before I, I'm, I'm medical now and I've also been honor guard. But mm-hmm. um, back when I was in maintenance, I wasn't a freaking oddball, man. Like I'm with a bunch of country boys that have worked on cars their whole life while I'm this mm-hmm. kind of like pretty boy who's really good at like admin stuff. <laughs> and so like I really did not fit in and I just thought I sucked. Like I thought I could never be a leader because I, I don't look like them. You know, it wasn't until I could I could finally be in a space where I could leverage what unique talents that I brought to the table and mm-hmm. really show like what I could do that I got that self-confidence. It is 100% true. I've had seven AFSCs and I've been medical and I've been maintenance and I've been all those other ones. And sometimes you find out it's, and that's the thing that we do wrong. Like, oh, you really suck in this AFSC. Well, that's why it's called an Air Force specialty code. Maybe it's not that my specialty in that place. And it's like, and even sometimes you might find out the Air Force doesn't work for you, but that's the same thing in the corporate world is that if you're not in the right giftedness and right place, it's that's the reason why the oddball, but sometimes the Lord allows us to use the oddball things. Cause I had opportunities that even though I sucked as a two T two, which was air transportation and Oh, I sucked really bad. We got stories all day, but we, but I left after those two years, but I was able to be a witness to my chief and everybody else and be able to connect with them because when I got to be transformed to a UDM temporarily and everything else, I was able to be a better person. But even in those moments of suck, when I didn't go over it and just embrace it and flog myself and, oh, woe is me. Because my chief told me after two years, he's like, I, I told him I came in the office. I said, sir, I sucked at this for a long time. I just need to go. It's been two years. I need to cross train. He's like, you do suck at this. And it has been a long time. And we just laughed about it. And he's like, what would you want to do? I said, uh, what do you have available? And he's like, I need a UDM. And then I did that. And, and when I still stayed in the squadron, I was still able to be a testimony and connect with those people and minister to those people. So sometimes you just find out you need a shift or a pivot, or you're going through that situation because there's something for you to go over and to grow in. Again, don't ever flog yourself just because you don't fit in. Cause I was a, I was supposed to be a two, a I was supposed to be aircraft maintenance and I'm glad I failed out, but I, I was an admin person working with the maintenance people and they called me a non-er and I took it real bad. And I, allowed myself in my prior years to flog myself. I even had suicidal, homicidal tendencies just because of that. We can't just go based on what people call us. We just might not be in the right place yet. And this place might be shaping us for our next calling, our next destiny. Definitely. It's, it's, it is hard as hell to stay positive when in a workplace that's like attacking you mm-hmm. uh, or making you feel less than. Uh, it, it is so... They, they always say like, that's where the most growth happens getting through those hard times, but boy, is it hard? My God. <laughs> it is. And if you don't have that battle buddy with you, you don't have that airman uh, guy. I haven't called it. What is it called? Uh, wingman. Wingman. I have said that word since a long time in the reserve. We don't even talk about it, <laughs> but if you don't have that wingman, it's very, very difficult. And that was for me, it was like the chapel was the wingman. That's what actually drove me to Christianity because I was just like flogged in basic, flogged in tech school. I'm like, man, cat of nine tails up in my face all my time. And then when you fail out of that maintenance school and then you become the non-er and then you go to that unit. Oh yeah, it was rough. And I had a supervisor that belittled me every day and I was admin. So she was rougher than the maintenance people. I'm like, I'd rather get flogged by you than flogged by my supervisor. I'm like, this is bad. 
And it was like this woman that took us out of that situation and then got the supervisor fired. So we have to be those people in that conduit to be a good wingman, to go over and to be that person out there. Sometimes you might not be in that unit and you're helping mentor somebody else. You're taking that chance. Or maybe sometimes you're in the unit to be that battle buddy or wingman. It's but. It can be rough, but if you have those people that have gone through that transformation, the also the reason for the transformation is for us to go over and to help them transform too. But we're there helping them to walk through it. There's certain things that we're going to shield things as NCOs and senior NCOs and prior veterans. We can shield certain things, but other things they do have to go through. So it's a balance. So think about it like parenting. Sometimes you have to allow your kids to go through it. Like my daughter this week is going to be missing an event she wants to go to. I need her to go through the pain so she has purpose. So there's a, 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 a fine line. You always have to keep it. But remember in those moments that we transform so we can help others. Absolutely. <clears throat> so we kind of went off topic there, but it all kind of relates to being comfortable in your own skin and how that is and, and going through that growth and the pain to find the purpose to be more effective you know, during your content creation and kind of finding that sweet spot to begin, or at least to be get to become very effective, right? Mm. Um, is there any other rules that you go by? Because I think you named two of them. I would say the third content, content creation rule that goes over and carries with everything is I think it all goes over and ties is just go over and have fun with it. Just have fun with it. You're not getting paid for it. Or in some places, you're paying to play, depending on the platform you go over and do. But at the end of the day, you're building up something for success. If you're looking at it just as an ROI in this season, again, 80% of people don't make ROI on there. Joe Rogan's are rare. They actually are. There's about 4.5 million podcasters. So if you're not having fun, Joe Rogan has fun. I'm pretty sure Joe Rogan would still do it if all his money got taken away. He'd find some way to do a podcast if Spotify and everybody ripped him to shreds and everything else. You see these people, they get destroyed and they build themselves back up. They enjoyed the craft. So make sure you're having fun no matter what the thing. If you stop having fun or you think it's a job and everything else, especially if you're not getting paid for it, quit. <laughs> no one's, I mean, so many podcasts have faded away. Do you know Sean Douglas, which is a great podcaster, will either help you resurrect the podcast or buy your podcast. So if you're at that point, you have a decent audience, but you're kind of toasty, talk to him. He's a, he's a veteran entrepreneur too. And he'll either help you resurrect it or he'll find the passion for you or he'll go over and buy out your podcast. So have fun. When you're done, you're done. I mean, that, that's Definitely. the thing. Everybody has a flow in a season and everything has a time in a season. So content creation, have fun. Be okay to mess up. I've already had a few jackups already. So let's keep <laughs> going. <laughs> how, has, uh, how has content creation changed your life for the better? It helps me continually reflect on who I am and to continue to grow. Um, it helps me go over and not walk in things as much. Uh, my business is called Learn and Live. So as I'm trying to teach the veterans, I look at my own marriage and my own family and what I'm reflecting and I'm going back because I used to be the ranting dad, really bad. Again, brokenness, toxicity and everything else and realizing I'm like, I can't go over and want to teach people because that was, that was my wife's continual problem. I had a calling not as contextualized in the early years and I got certified in a couple models that I use and everything else and my wife was never behind me. Well, my wife was never behind me because even though I was saying things to people, 
I was never living it out. So that's for me is that is content creation helps me continue to transform, be empathetic to certain situations, sympathetic to others and learning how to go over and encapsulate the audience and sometimes even being okay that you're the person who you are. So like I attract 91% females. I was pissed initially when my stats came out. I'm like 91%. I want males to be transformed because when the males in the marriage are transformed, then the females want to go follow compared to if the females transform in marriages and if they have an a-hole of a husband, it doesn't transform the kids and doesn't transform the business. But I attract 91% females. If I can be their conduit that a male can transform and then they bring their husbands in, great. So it's taught me a lot. I mean, it's taught me a lot. It's also learning to go over and to be humble because I can easily either go into despair or go into pride rather quickly, especially when I get on stage. I love being on stages and it can just change real quick. So content creation really humbles me especially when my wife does gets 250% more than I do on all views. And she's like, I just started like a month ago. And I'm like, I told her, I said, the Lord has blessed you because the hours I've done, you should not have as much reach as I should. But the thing is, is I need to even be humble in that. So it's just like, Hey, as long as the people are getting transformation, I got to forget about the numbers. Absolutely, man. Yeah. The numbers, the numbers can either really make you feel great at times and and then they just kind of disappear sometimes. I mean, that's just how it goes. Uh, so like, I think every new podcast, like the, especially the ones that like, you did a lot of planning. Like I planned mine like really, really well for like a year before I executed. And, uh, you know, the initial hype is like, oh my God, this is amazing. Great job, blah, blah, blah. But then that goes away. You know, that initial hype goes away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, are you still wanting to do this enough when there's barely anyone there? I mean, that's what you got to be okay with. If the answer is yes, then I think you'll do fine. But if the answer is no, and, and you want to quit because of the lower, the dip in views or downloads, then it's probably not for you. Your, your heart's probably not in it enough, you know? Um, and I, and I did go through that. Uh, and yeah, at first I was kind of like, what the heck? I had all these viewers and downloads and now I don't like what's going on. But that's just, that's just the way the world works, man. You know? People are going to come and go. They're going to they're going to check on you every so often. Some people are going to listen to every episode. Some people are going to only want to watch your YouTube videos and they don't even know how to find a podcast. You know what I mean? So as mm-hmm. as long as your heart's in the right place, you're doing it for the right reasons and you get joy from that, especially when you hear the success stories or someone reach out, you know, those, that's always really special, um, at least for me. So thanks for sharing that, Daniel. I appreciate it, my man. And those were great rules, by the way. Uh, I'm self-taught with video editing. People are like, oh, what programs and software are you using? How do you do all that? I'm just using my phone. People can't believe it. I'm literally just using my phone. It is easier than you think. It does take practice. But once you get good at it, it's like art. It's like drawing, sketching, or painting. It's, it, mm-hmm. it, it taps into your artistic talent to edit, to work on video and audio. And it's fun, you know, it's, it's, you're exercising your artistic talent and your own special twist to, to put a video together or a reel or to highlight someone and capture their story. Like it's all so much fun. It just takes a little bit of practice and research. The videos are all on YouTube, so it's super easy to find. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely not as daunting as we all like make it out to be in our minds. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, that's the same thing with digital TV. Everybody's like, digital TV, it's so daunting. I know it's not. All it is is a platform that you get to be in a bigger scope. So YouTube and Hulu and all these other platforms are in huge spaces, but digital TV is just another platform for a different audience. And you can take about 90% of your content and then recapture it to digital TV. And then you don't even have to re learn anything new. As long as you got 1080p video, which an average iPhone above an SE, or if you have an Android phone or a tablet or a computer, you can easily do it. And I, I record raw and I don't do editing, but that you can even do that. So don't even get be intimidated by the editing. Editing is for you and, and, and if it's your audience's style. I go raw. I, I go through the content an entire day. I set myself up a platform. I then put my banners and then I punch it. And then on the interviews, I just go over and give them contextualized questions. And then I go over and flow and I can hit it. But the thing of it is, is that editing or not, if people really resonate with you, you can edit 10,000 hours or you can edit 10,000 seconds and people will still go over and listen to your content. So either way, play with it either way. That's the fun part about it. Yeah, I focused on doing it more efficiently versus perfecting the editing, right? Because if you're going for perfect, you're not going to last. Uh, it's too time consuming and pe most people don't even notice the way you notice. Um, so I go for efficiency. I use um, apps on my phone. I use AirDrop to my Mac computer. I, I can do it. I don't do it the best, but I can do it very quickly. And that's what, you know, I found the balance of the quality and how fast I can do it. And I just mm -hmm. had to accept that balance because I have so many other responsibilities that I can't put every single ounce of time into the content. You know what I mean? All right, Daniel. So this is this should be a good one. Relationship dynamics, personal and professional. So we kind of talked about this a little bit already. Mm -hmm. But how would you like to expand on relationship dynamics of personal and professional? Don't wait to work through them. Don't wait until your spouse gives you the divorce letter. Don't wait until your boss comes over and brings the feedback. Don't go over and wait until that special training that you're going to get that you'll forget in 90 days. It should be something that you're actively working on each and every day, you know, because that's going to carry more than anything. Yes, you got to take care of your physical body. Yes, you got to take care of your mind. But the relationships is what's going to carry. When you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be like, remember, saying, you remember that EPR I went over and worked on and, and stayed all night to work on those decorations and everything? It's like, that was a great thing before I die. You're going to be thinking about the relationships that you impacted in life because no one ever goes over and does that. And if they do, they got to be delusional because I was in the hospital yesterday with, with kidney problems and nobody was talking about like, oh, yeah, work was awesome until I went over and got that infection. I mean, so I'm telling you, work on those things on a daily basis. And it's very, very simple, actually. This dumb man that was C's and D's until high school, graduating high school, and then realized I could get a 4.0 when I got to college, is it's just simple. It's so simple. And, I, and, I, and it took me to get certified this to learn this. But it's two questions you ask yourself. And you can read this in this book, Positive Personality Profiles from Dr. Robert Rome. He's my mentor. First question, are you outgoing or reserved? Once you answer that first question, 10% of your problems and 10% of your successes comes out of that. Because if I'm outgoing and you're reserved, guess what? We might have some minor differences in things. I need to go over and tweak it down a little bit and you need to ratchet it up. 
and we can adjust to them. The second question you need to ask, which causes 90% of successes and 90% of problems is, are you more task-oriented or are you more people-oriented? Because if I'm more people-oriented, and I'll share a story in a second, and the other person's task-oriented, they're going to go over and we're going to grind each other's gears. And I had a gentleman that I used to work with, and my wife is a very similar personality style to him. But I worked with a gentleman that was very, very, very super task-oriented. It took seven sergeants to go over and train him how to do blood pressure. So if anybody's in medical, you know what I'm talking about. And, and he was always just on that point. So anytime I tried to go over and relate to people, and we worked in mental health, it was so hard for him. He could not relate to the people. He's like, he didn't understand how I can get up and go do briefings and go do informal work center visits and all these other crazy things that we did in the hospital and everything else. And then how to balance it all. And all it was is buy the book, buy the book, buy the book. And a lot of people didn't like him because he was so regimented. He, he crafted over time and got a lot better. But initially, it was bumping heads. And then the closer the relationship is to you. So in the boardroom, you can tolerate that person that's like always cold and always not talking and always about the rules and always about being right. And you're the person like, I just want to have fun. That's why I work here. Stop it, please. And then you're like, but when you get the rooms, get it closer to go from the professional to the personal, your kids and to your, to your spouse, that can literally go over and destroy because it just goes over and you're, because you, what we do in marriages typically and do for our kids is like, they're not who I am. I need to transform them. So if I'm people oriented and my kids task oriented, like my daughter, Hope, I need to go over and make her talk more. I need to go over and have her do this. I need to have her go do that. Oh, my wife's task oriented and we're called to do this ministry. So she needs to get out there and do it my way and everything else. I destroyed my marriage just based on those two questions because I wanted her to be more outgoing. I wanted to be her more people oriented. She wanted me to be more task oriented. She wanted me to be more reserved. And we literally destroyed each other just based on those two questions. And we didn't have an understanding on those two questions. But once you have an understanding on those two questions, you're able to transform your life because you're learning to just visit their style and love them for where they're at. And that goes over and helps. So that's balancing personal and professional but always going over and getting your doctorate degree in your spouse, getting your bachelor's degree in your kids and getting your associate's degree in your coworkers. Because I do education and training now. Those degrees only carry four to seven years. And especially if they're more tech oriented, it's even shorter. The, the degrees you get with your spouse and your kids and, and with your coworkers, metaphorically speaking, don't think I'm sending you to USDE and getting degrees. But when you go get those uh, degrees and you're putting that much effort and time and focus and energy and, and learning, like, hey, learning your sexual personality style, learning your communication style, learning how your love languages is. When you do that, that's going to carry dividends because when you make those pivots and you make those transformations and when you get out of service, now you have an overflow of your spouse and your kids supporting you. So as you go through those trials and tribulations, because they will come, then you're able to make them testimonies. Definitely, man. Wow. Yeah. And I've learned that the hard way too, man, where I got just so invested in other things and, you know, you can only neglect your family for so long until, you know, shit goes south, like real quick. And, and then by the time you notice and try to recover, you, you have nothing invested to, you know, it's, it's almost like nothing you say is going to work. You just have to like really look at your actions and really look at, you know, where you're investing your time mm -hmm. uh, at that point. And, and I've, I've struggled with that big time, you know, with my own marriage and my own career and my own aspirations and my own ego. And, 
man, we can, we can really go down a dark path sometimes, um, you know, not asking ourselves those, those simple questions and then just letting the relationship kind of like fester in the, in the worst way. How did you and your wife like start, you know, seeing eye to eye? Like, you know, it sounds like a team effort almost because you could understand the concept, but if, it almost sounds like if the other person is completely unaware of that concept or, or unwilling to ask those questions, you know, I feel like it would be really challenging to see eye to eye. So like for you and your wife, for instance, what did y'all do to take that first step and start healing and, and getting along more? It was going through the mess, the analogy that we built, um, going through my mental junk, going through my emotional junk, my social, my spiritual, my sexual, going through what am I doing in the bedroom that's not going over and serving her? What am I doing like as we're going out into the bedroom and socially connecting with her and actually spiritually connecting? I said I was a Christian, but I'd only pray in emergencies and only read when it was interesting. <laughs> when I went over and the trauma that I went through, I brought it into the bedroom. So it's like the mental, emotional stuff. The days would be bad and I would not go over and say, Lord, help me go over and work through this stuff and not take this stuff home. Because I'm one of those emotional whores in a sense that, especially when I worked in mental health, I carried it all on, helped everybody's burden in the boardroom. And then I drove it home in my car. And then I went over and didn't give it to anybody else except for my wife. Uh -uh. So I'm like, here we go. And then you're asking for sex and spiritual connection. Whoa, that's just dumb. I didn't realize it at the time, but that was just dumb. So I had to literally work through that stuff. And even if your spouse is not making that transformation at time, prayer does amazing things. And as you make those transformation steps and they see it, even if it's from the outside coming in, over time, it's been statistically proven. And I know this is hard, especially if people are on the brink of divorce. And I've been there is that if you continue to go over and work and transform your life and get through that, get through that mound of hell, then over time, as you transform that, it usually works. The, high, the people are usually more highly effectively happy, joyous and everything else, three to five years. And it actually was for me about sex got awesome. And it was not the thing I was looking for initially. I'm looking for the more of the spiritual, mental, emotional transformation. But once you start working through this stuff, my wife became hot to me again. I, I still, and not even just physically looking because my wife's like, I'm a teddy bear. And I want to be like, I want to be like white rhino. I want to be like big, but she's like, but you know, I became beautiful to her again because I was living out this transformed life. So you don't have to be in the best shape physically to go be hot stuff in other ways in that particular regard. It doesn't mean you just let yourself go like 500 pounds, my goal. Yeah, but I'm spiritually strong. I mean, <laughs> it is a balance. You don't yeah, want to gain They all play pounds. off each other. They, they, all, they all work off each other. I mean, it's not a, a coincidence that, you know, you might be communicating more with your, with your wife and getting along more and taking her on dates and, and doing nice things that that would lead to like, a better bedroom experience. You know, they're all connected, mm -hmm. they you are. know, just like when things went South and when you get in bed, she just probably turns the other shoulder and just goes to sleep and doesn't want nothing to do with you. So, I mean, they definitely go hand in hand for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's like cold steel, man. There's no way of penetrating that. And it's, it, 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 I could just feel the presence and the aura. And I was like, it was one of those things. I'm like, I'm causing this, you know, and then even if we have a faith, like, oh, we blame God. I'm like, a lot of times it's what we do. It's not what 
he does. It's what happens with us. It's just the natural consequences. Like if I go slap a coworker, I'm not expecting them to hug me. Right. If they do again, they're messed up in the head. And I'm like, it's like, I need to hug you, buddy. What? I just, <laughs> I just donkey punched you. Really? I mean, there's some problem there. There's a normal reaction. It's like, if I'm there consciously or unconsciously hurting somebody, they're going to have a reaction or a response based on what it is. And if they don't, there's either two things. They're either a lunatic or they're transformed. You know, that's it. It's like, you know, I'm like, either you have some serious mental problem or you have really transformed that you don't allow the reactions to phase you. Right. That's it. So we have to continue to go over and to work on stuff. And it wasn't just like, hey, in 2013, spiritually kicked in the nuts day after. Oh, awesome. It took years. It took years. And it and is even intimacy opportunities with my wife, I thought never would happen. And again, that this ain't rated R for this episode. So, but in general, it's like you go over, and I'm like, I never thought those things would go over and happen. But as she became spiritually free and emotionally free and mentally free, because I started going over and letting the Lord purge my stuff and work that stuff out and actively do that, then those things transform. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I'm like, and I tried to force it. I should have just asked the Lord to go over and to transform me instead of trying to transform everybody else. And that was the messed up part in the first place. So we have to continually do that. And that's how transformation happens. We ask our faith, our God, whoever it is, and start working through that junk, realizing more it's a belief issue, more than it's a junk issue. And as you believe on who you really are, you start living in that transformed life. And then you start seeing transformation changes from bedroom to boardroom. It's a simple formula. And that kind of leads us to, I mean, that, that kind of segues perfect into perseverance through faith. And so yeah. it sounds like, uh, Daniel, faith was a small piece of your life until you really, really needed help. And then it became a huge piece of your life. And it sounds like it's transformed your life. So yeah. like if you're a, let's just, let's just call you a 10 out of 10 as far as like your dedication to spirituality and Christianity. Let's just say that's what you are. Mm-hmm. then I would peg myself as probably like a four, like probably where you used to be, where mm-hmm. you, I, I am born again. I was baptized. I just don't practice it as much as I should. And I get distracted by things. And so I'm really curious to know uh, what you mean by perseverance through faith, but also like, how does someone like me who's at a four get to where you're at as a 10? First off, don't worry about my number. That's the first thing. When you're a four, he's he fills in the six and even makes it an eight. He's always going to fill in the gap. So when we go over and try to go compare ourselves, I mean, if I'm a 10 out of 10, what is Moses? I mean, what is Noah? What is Jesus? Jesus is off the scale. I'm like, we're only supposed to compare. When you look at faith in Christianity, you're supposed to compare it to him. And I'm never going to do that, but he's as my friend says is this, and I really believe this, it's positional faith. It's he's it's I'm Daniel Faust in Christ. We are infused together. It's a synergistic thing. When I believe God is way over there and I believe I'm way over here and I take all my junk and my sin and my brokenness, I think like, I'm going to shrink that dot. I'm going to do less bad things. I'm going to do more good things. I'm going to become godly. That's everything but biblical. That's the reason why people hate Christianity. It's that you judge me for the things I go over and do wrong. 
And what it is, is the judgment was already taken on the cross. It is finished. It's ED. It's done. He's the one now going over and maturing us in what he's called us to be. It's ED. And a lot of faiths get that wrong. It's like, oh, it's ING. I'm transforming. I'm this and everything else. Yes, because we're in the flesh. We're in the world. It's today. I'm not there yet. I'm not arrived. But when you start believing, it's like, he's made me his son. It's positional. It's like our stripes. Our stripes are positional. We have more faith in the military than we do in our God, even as Christians. Like our stripe is a permanent rank. When you go get it, it's like it's a permanent rank of master sergeant. It's a permanent rank of tech. It's a permanent rank of staff. You don't come in one day and say, I had a bad day. Whoosh, stripe rip off. Now I joke, the army can do it every day. Army's like, yeah, whatever. We just go back and forth. But it, it, it's a permanent thing. So I became that because God's matured me in that. And I started looking at faith differently. When I started looking at Faith is like, I have this big gap, and then I'm going to go fix that that dumpster dive of, of nastiness, but I don't get told that there's 34 wheelbarrows of sin every day, and then there's the world and brokenness and going to work, and the coffee pot ain't making, and somebody yelled at me, and it's only 9.05, and I've only been at work five minutes, and I still got eight hours left. You know, we'll, we'll always rate ourselves, so we're going to go back and forth. It's like, hey, you have good days, and you're not going over and you're doing this and you didn't say a cuss word and everything else. All right. I'm a five today. And then I'm a three tomorrow. Could you imagine if our performance reports went that way? Could you imagine that? It'd be a horror show. It'd be like gladiator. It's like, yeah, <laughs> like, this is where you're at. It's like, you know, so that's the thing. Perseverance through faith is realizing that it's, he's already done it and he's there with you. So as you go over and stick with it, with him, you get to see you mature in yourself. And that's what perseverance comes from. It's stick to itiveness. That's the biggest thing. We do it in the military. You're at 18 years in. Why haven't you quit? You haven't quit because you're persevering for some reason or another. And you're going to see a transmission and you see some reason why. You're not going to go like 19 years and 364 days. I don't want that retirement. I'm done. It's over. It's just one more day, man. Come on, finish. Just sign the paperwork. And you're like, no, 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 I'm done. I'm like, wow. We do it for a reason. But that, that's, what, that's how you get there is when you start believing and who you are and who God called you to be, then perseverance, it's not always easy, but you're able to go over and do it. And I have to believe, continually remind myself, because even when I had that kidney stone yesterday, I had to remind myself, I'm like, I was in pain, I was crying, everything else, I thought it was my back. And I, and I had to keep reminding myself, and I am saying it and crying, I'm like, Lord, you're not doing this to be bad at me, you're not doing this bad to me, you're not doing bad to me. I'm like, I have struggles in that. And I'm like, no, he, he does. He still loves me. It's not like he went over and said, ha, ah, kidney stone. Let's see how you go. You know, cause pain. Awesome. No, it happened. I mean, it happens to a lot of people when you get old. It's just the way the broken body happens. So as we go over and do that, then we mature into what we're already called to be. And when you do that, you don't look at four out of 10 or 10 out of 10 or mega superhero or has a big thing. I get an opportunity to go love on people and teach them what they already are to be. And that's perseverance through faith. It's just continuing to remind you, you are loved, you are adored, you are cherished, you have a city, you have a calling, you have a destiny. Everybody has a destiny. Everybody has a kazoom. I'm just reminding you what he's already said and done. And that's what keeps me perseverance through faith. And that can be the same thing for you. So you don't have to look at yourself as a four out of 10. And even if you were a baby Christian or an atheist, and I was an atheist, I said, F you to Jesus when my brother died. That tipped the back. He was still there loving and pursuing me even then. And I was cussing worse than a sailor. <laughs> and I was practicing wicked magic. 
and I was having suicidal homicidal thoughts and he still went over and loved me. Now, I didn't know that at the time, but the thing of it is, is that it's the same thing. It's like, that's how it is. When we show you who you really are and you continue to get reinforced that, that's the perseverance in faith. You'll have your moments, we all do. But the thing is, is as you live that out, you don't have to about four or 10 or 10 out of 10 because he's already loved you. He's on the side with you. He's hugging you. And he's saying, it's still a lot of sin, but we'll get there when you're ready, kid. And it's nothing. He's never judging because his blood was strong enough and everything else. And there's no gap. He's covered it all. So that's perseverance of faith in a nutshell. Wow. That's, that's a lot of faith, my man. I really appreciate the way you, uh, you painted that picture for me. Was a, I, I'd just be curious on like, a time in your life where you felt your faith was the strongest or, or you like you felt God's presence the most. And what was another point in your life where you doubted it the most? I feel it the most when I get these opportunities to speak and teach, because it reinforces who he's made me the weakest points. Let's see. 2013 in my, and almost divorce, uh, financial trials. We've almost been homeless four times. Um, those are the two main issues. Um, when you're in a workplace and you feel like the trial's never going to go over an end these past two and a half years, like I got blessed by the smiling commander, but other people I worked with, I won't name names. Other people I worked with were just grinding me the wrong way. And I thought like, Lord, why do I keep going through this? Why does it keep going this? Why does it make it hard and everything else? And then I realized like, I'm here to go over and to be a witness and i had to remind myself that i'm here and he's also teaching me more about the trinity like why am i in this role because i'm a tech sergeant i'm a gs9 i'm also uh i'm also a father and a husband and i still have to be mr and sergeant all these different roles and i could see where he's coming from so those moments are the hardest but we always have a time because he's always with us and if you struggle with those things sometimes sometimes whiteboarding really helps out that helps me out a lot I start asking those questions. So instead of just staying in my head and going through the 70,000 negative thoughts, like, oh yeah, blah, 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 this and all the negative stuff, I go over and I start writing down those questions. And then I also ask the Lord how to redeem things. Like um, from when I was a kid and I'm not going to cuss, but you'll get the point. I got called a dumb Royal F on a regular basis. And I used to work in this uh, ballot facility with my wife before we almost went homeless. We worked in the ballot facility, moved to another place, and then we got to this job. And I, can't, I had to keep writing my initials down every time I did something at that job. And I'm like, Lord, I'm gonna redeem this. I'm like, I'm not a dumb royal F. These are the things that go over and destroy us. It tears up, it's an identity issue. So I said, I, I, I'm a, I, I have a divine royal family now. And I kept saying the words again and again, like, Lord, you give me a divine royal family. That's what you've given me. So every time I wrote those initials, that helped me through that faith struggle because I had to keep writing it. And I remembered I get called that all the time and I became that. That's what messed me up. So I started writing that down. I'll take acronyms and try to redeem them. Like, uh, uh, what is it? AGR. I say all great revenue. <laughs> I mean, those are the people that are full-time arts that right. get the money and stuff like that. So I try to find that to go over and to redeem stuff and ask the Lord. So I like do a lot of whiteboarding. I try to find acronyms to go over and do things. Like you hear about grace, it's God's riches at Christ's expense, those types of things. I've written out other ones. I have one on believe or brush or something. I don't remember. I wrote it down. I have it in my, in my digital notebook, but I do that. 
and it helps us to go reinforce. So that's just me, but you have to figure out your way to go over and to reinforce when those trials come up. And especially when those things come up, you have to look at the truths that you learned in the past so you can make through that perseverance because the best times are going to be the best times for the moment. It even talks about Ecclesiastes. There's a season for everything. But actually, when I look at all the pain that I have, I'm like, it's transformed me so much. I don't want to do it again. But I'm like, you know, Lord, I wouldn't be able to have such a passion to help out homeless veterans if I didn't struggle with it four times. You know, if I didn't deal with the suicidal problems that were in my family, I wouldn't have such a heart to go help the veterans in the 22. If I didn't go through these things, it wouldn't go over and make now the best. So when I get an opportunity to go over and I had somebody commit suicide, like in front of my son, they literally hung themselves. I've had those moments, but I'm like, and now I can take those bad moments and redeem them with other people and say, Hey, I can understand where you're at. I've been that close. I've been near death. I know the struggles. I know the pain. So that's what makes my best moments is when I get to share those worst moments with those people and then they get transformation because of it. So yeah, a little man. long, but I hope that answers it. No, I, I think you more than answered it, man. That was, uh, you have a way of explaining things that is really easy to absorb. So the fact that you're in charge of training, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy the teaching part. I don't get to do much training. I do more of paperwork. That's that's the unfortunate yeah. part of the job. So I hope to get to it. That's that I hope to get to it full time with the business is just to teach. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have a buddy that I oh my gosh, you guys would hit it off. But he's uh, his name's Tech Sergeant Jeremy Rutherford. He's in the reserves at Whiteman Air Force Base. Uh, he's a training manager now. Like the the way he thinks and talks, and the way you think and speak, like you guys would just. I mean, he's one of my best friends. Um, and we we did see eye to eye, and we are polar opposites, and we did you know make each other better. He was more, I'm more people focused, and he was more task focused. Um, and we were both on polar opposite extremes, but when we merged together and made a perfectly like yin and yang, well-rounded, you know, couple of leaders for our honor guard team. Mm. I mean, we had one of the best teams, uh, the best team I've ever had in my entire career, hands down. And it 100% is the balance that I found with this guy, uh, Sergeant Rutherford, um, Again, I I got to put you in touch with them somehow because I know y'all would just hit it off. Um, but Daniel, I think we're coming up on the end of our time here. Um, and so before we end, I just wanted to know if there's anything that you wanted to share uh, with your business or or just something that we missed and didn't get to touch on. So two things. So if any veterans struggling from the bedroom to the boardroom, 20 minutes free to every single veteran. So go over and find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram, find me wherever. We're still rebuilding the website. So it's easy just to find me on social media and just say, hey, I'd like to have 20 minutes to pick your brain. I'm like, first 20 minutes are free. And then we figure that out from there. Um, no matter where it's at, your transformation out of service, because you don't transition, you transform. Transition is stupid. You don't go backwards. We always transform and go forward. So any struggles, bedroom to the boardroom, 20 minutes free. And the next thing is like, hey, if you're ready to go over and get into the boardroom of content, 
and you don't want to get lost with YouTube and Twitch and TikTok and everything else, and you're like, hey, I'm not making any money, and why is everybody making this stuff? But if you want to deliver legacy, integrity, and global community, come on to Legrity Media. The logo has been behind me the whole time. So just check out Legrity, L-E-G-R-I-T-Y, and check it out, you know? And we want to support you as a community to go over and grow. So if you have positive content, TV 14 and below, and read to have a community and not get lost in the algorithms because I'm the director of IT, so I control it. So there's no algorithm. So your content will get out there. So you don't have to worry about like, oh, I got shadow banned. I'm like, hey, we don't shadow ban. We just go and uplift you. So if you're ready for that, go over and check us out. Absolutely. And I got the app and there's some bangers on there, man. There's some really good, uh, really good people on there. The app is super, super well done. I got the Legrity app right here pulled up. Boom. See, there it is. Yep. And see, and see, we're growing right now. So you don't get lost. And our goal is to always uplift you. So we're looking at going over and doing linear channels, which you would eventually have your own spot. We're looking at virtual reality. So you're able to watch it in your VR headset because I'm a VR guru. We're also looking at some future opportunities for you to create content in virtual reality. So that's the next coming steps in there. So start the community small right now and get your digital content out there. And eventually you're going to have people going over and watching it in VR or interacting live in VR. So we're definitely excited for 2022 and beyond. So when you're ready to go over and do that, and if we're not the best fit, hey, we're here to go and love on you. We want to go and empower you. So if we don't fit, let's go find the best place for you. That's always my motto is I want you to thrive. I don't want you just to come to go over and to give me money because guess what? I can earn money. I don't need, I can figure out another way. My main concern is I do everything I do is to go over and to serve you. That's awesome, man. And yeah, you have a lot of really great people on there already. And so, you know, you add the VR element to podcasting. Like I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see you know, where you take that, because I feel like that's, uh, that's kind of the future um, as far as entertainment and social media goes. So the fact that you already got your foot in the door, I think is a huge advantage for when it explodes one day, you're already going to be there in that space. So that's, yeah. that's great, man. Um, so as we, as we close, man, I just want to tell you, Daniel, thank you so much for spending time with me and the hero front family out there. Um, you're, you're such a unique guy with, just how you see the boardroom to the bedroom, just that whole emotional connection that you've pieced together that makes so much sense when you explain it to the the strong faith that you have and how it's transformed your life to helping veterans, what you're passionate about um, and, and your transparency with your marriage, with your brother, with your own depression, with workplace bullying and just kind of humanizing you, right? You're not like this expert for no reason you are speaking on experiences you're speaking on the trials that you went through and you use that to fuel you to help other people out there so i think you are an incredible kick-ass guy i'm so proud i'm proud of you and the path that you've been on and all the trials and tribulations the person that you are now i think is incredible and so i just wanted to thank you daniel for spending time with us and just being you so thank you man yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. And thanks for the compliments. Absolutely. That's what we're all about.